Um, welcome online for those that are watching online. Uh, this, uh, this Sunday as I was praying about uh, what to talk about, this, this sense of, of freedom on the 4th of July weekend, I thought, you know, let's talk about freedom. I, I remember uh, asking a, a person that I knew that had battled addiction since they were 14 years old and literally said to me, I haven't been sober a day in my life since I was 14, and he's in his late 40s, pushing 50. And I said, well, when you think about freedom, what is that like? What is freedom to you? Didn't have an answer, just looked at me. Today we're going to talk about freedom in a number of different forms, uh, but I'm going to ask us to pray together. And uh, Lord, we, we as your people love the concept of freedom. But we confess in so many ways we don't feel free. And so, Lord, would you speak to us today as individuals, as a church, as a community? Would you bring your freedom today? And we whisper these words as we start this message. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. This is your lab. This is your place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. We're your church because you came sent by the Father and the Son. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to talk about freedom from. Freedom from. Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one of the earliest aspects in the scriptures that it's very clear is that the Bible says that we as humanity have been plagued by sin. We inherited it. We do it, we can't get away from it, right? I was telling my, my small group, they were talking about, you know, when, you know, the, we were talking about sin, and, and uh, I said, well, you know, but sin is not just something that we do, it can even be things that we, we do, but we don't realize we're sinning. Do you ever think about that? I had a perfect illustration of that this week. Perfect. For eight months, I didn't realize I was sinning. You see that I realized something went wrong when the lights were going on behind me as I was driving. 
And I looked, I go, well, I'm going, I guess, I guess I'm speeding. Maybe I'm, am I under 10? And, and uh, he, of course, I pull over. I, I was a, a minute from the church. I was just like, I had just pulled out. And, and he's like, your license plates have expired. And I'm like, no way. I do that every year. And I go in my glove compartment, and I pull out that piece of paper, and I've got this memory of going to the, to the you know, what, BMV is it now, the DMV? And I, and I show it to him with pride. And he goes, yeah, it says they're expired. I'm like, what? And so then my wife's working, and I'm calling her up as he's doing his job of running my plates. And I'm like, did I not do that? I do that every year. And, and I realized with the mail problem and stuff, they, they didn't send me my yearly reminder. And so I blew through August last year without renewing them. And I said, well, this is the car my wife drives. He goes, well, I'll run that too. Nope, didn't read that. He goes, she's driving dirty. And I'm like, no one's ever said that about my wife. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm just like, I go, oh, okay, I, I messed up. Eight months of just like, didn't, didn't, off my radar. So I've been a lawbreaker for eight months but I felt very righteous. And then when I showed him my righteousness, I was still unrighteous. And I'm like, you messed up. And I was just thinking, you know, that to me is, is how we are as humans. You know, we have sins that we know we do, and then we have sins we don't know we do. We are, we're missing the mark, and we feel so good about ourselves, but we still miss the mark. And so Jesus, when he talks about freedom initially, it's this freedom to be forgiven. Like the cool thing is, is I can be forgiven by the government after I pay my 125 plus the 295 processing charge. I said to my wife, it was only $130. Thank you, officer. And uh, now I'm forgiven. Uh, it, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, that freedom starts with forgiveness. And when, when, no matter what happens in your life, you and I have a Savior that says you're forgiven. And, and it's funny because if you're a young believer, or if you're sitting here hearing the gospel for the first time and you realize, my goodness, I can be forgiven, this weight can be lifted, it's wonderful. But there's a whole other mindset after you've been a believer for quite a while, that you almost have to say to yourself, well, I feel like I've piled up a whole bunch of sins here, and now I doubt if God really is going to forgive me. Because I've been a believer, and I felt really forgiven, but I feel like over the years, I've piled up a bunch of stuff, and I hope he forgives me. You ever been there? Maybe he forgives me. And, and it's almost like you ha you, you've entered back under the law because you're saying to yourself, oh, well, yeah, he forgave me once and the once and done, but what about all this stuff?
If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And that's why you can make it a practice like I make it a practice. And the Bible talks about new mercies every morning. And when you wake up that morning, you receive those new mercies. And you remind yourself that that is a new day. And you're forgiven. You've been washed. I'm going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness and, and internal freedom. 1 Corinthians 6.12 talks about this. I have a right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I think one of the greatest challenges of the human condition is living with our human condition. One of the greatest challenges about the human condition is living with the human condition. I'm going to say one word, okay? One word. Ready for it? Feelings. Feelings. When I say feelings, what does it bring up? I have a problem. I love good feelings. My problem also is I hate bad feelings. How about you? Sadness, anger, hurt, bitterness, resentment. Feelings of revenge. Depression. Think with me. When we talk about freedom as followers of Christ, early on in my Christian life, actually for many, many years, I believed there was a spiritual nirvana. That's like this place you go and God just does something to you and you reach this heightened spiritual status where you only get to experience the good feelings and not the bad. How many believe that? Anybody? Am I the only weird person? And it took me quite a while to realize that that is not the Christian life. How many of you heard this passage? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many have heard that? Okay, how many of you Bible scholars know the context? Paul talks about all these terrible things. I've had plenty, I've had uh, nothing. You know, he talks about going without food into different passages. He's been shipwrecked, he's been this, he's been, the dude was literally stoned. He possibly died and was resurrected. It's difficult to get a handle on the text if that's what happened, and, or resuscitated, I should say. I mean, he went through all this stuff for the gospel, and he says, after having all that stuff, he says, I learn contentment. How many of you would say, you know, I haven't had any food for three days, but I'm all right. I haven't had anything to eat, but I'm okay. That's the kind of stuff the Apostle Paul went through. 
He learned to deal with the good and the bad feelings, and in the process, he learned contentment. You see, part of a Christian freedom is learning to deal with us on the inside. I'll I'll tell you a little funny thing about me. For some reasons on Sunday nights, I get a little depressed. I can have the best day in the world. I can hang out with my grandkids, have barbecues, all this stuff. But sitting in the evening, I get a little down. My wife looks at me. You depressed again? Yeah. Sunday night? Yeah. And I, and I think it's because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in my soul. You know, the, the, the adrenaline, the meeting God's people, the happy things that people share, the sad things that people share, the, the family and other things that take place on Sundays. And then in the evening, it's sort of like an emotional dump. And you just got to feel. For some reason, my soul tips sad, and I have to remind it at those times of gratitude. Does this make sense to any of you guys? And, and the reason I want to talk about freedom and first internal freedom is because I think it's what screws a lot of us up as believers. I think it's what messes us up. I read this uh, book by this guy, and he, he was talking about addiction, and he talked about a study that was done, and he said, he said this. He said, those that are facing temptations, he said, he talked about surfing your temptations. He said, don't have to run from them. You don't have to give in to them. You just let them pass through you. And he says, if you, if you just don't act on them, and you just sort of sit with that temptation, I think he said like within 20 minutes, it's gone. And, and it's not just true of temptation, it's true of our feelings. Like we run from bad feelings, we drink at bad feelings, we use pills at bad feelings, we eat at bad feelings, we do all these things and develop these sort of pathways in our brains of reinforcement in these neural pathways that we we don't like those feelings so we do things to medicate them you know we can we can porn at our feelings and we can do all sorts of stuff so we don't have to feel but the problem is is when you stop that behavior guess what comes back do you remember that old song come on i'm really old Feelings. Remember that one? Nothing more than feeling. Little kids are like, what? YouTube it. It's really schmaltzy and it's terrible. But, but, but they come back. Darn it. Can't get away from them. So when you're learning about internal feelings as a follower of Jesus, you have to learn to accept your humanity and just sit with them for a bit, and they pass. Oh, my goodness. Did you know they pass? They pass. And I've used this quote from a therapist years ago that I was talking to, and I I hated it when he said it to me. He says, we're meant to feel deeply and continuously 
Well, deeply is fine when they're happy emotions. Deeply is not fine when they're sad emotions. And continuously made a swear word come up in my head. Because I'm like, oh, that's awful. I don't get a break. I mean, feelings are going to be all the time. Because certain personality love, we love good feelings. You know, if you know anything about a personality test, we'll be doing seminars out of the future, the Enneagram. I'm a seven. I love good feelings. There, you tell me something's fun. I want to be there. So humans, and that's all of us, when Jesus talks about freedom, he talks about living with this amazing gift of forgiveness, but living in our humanity in ways that honor God. And that's why Corinthians goes on and he says this, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. When we talk about the body, and, and think about this. So we live in a divided country. There's, there's, you live in a country that, what, what do we say in our Constitution? Life. What else? Come on, say it with me. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Let's say that again. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we talk a lot about, it's my body. I can do whatever I want because it's my body. I can pierce it, dye it, operate on it, dress any way I want because it's my body. Here's the problem with Christians adopting that view. It's not your body anymore. I'm sorry. God says, that's my body. And this is a tough one for us to wrap our minds around. Because on one side, we can get legalistic, you know? Oh, you're smoking a cigar or something like that, you know? Oh, you're doing that to the temple. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying it too. Why? And, uh, you know, I mean, or, or you're putting that food in. I mean, we can get almost legalistic about, you know, how we treat the temple. So that's why you see these two poles in Scripture where it's like there's like liberty and freedom. I can do whatever I want. And then you have more legalistic, no, you need to obey these rules. And the Bible really paints this picture of whatever is not of faith is sin. And so it says to us, honor God with your body. And to some, some degree, there is this picture that each one has to follow what God's calling them to do. I remember I have a brother, and he had a real high cholesterol count, and he, and he had nothing against killing animals, but he became a vegan to drop his cholesterol. He's like, I don't want to go on pills. Stop cheese and meat, and he dropped his cholesterol. I'm not telling you to become a vegan, but that was how he wanted to deal with it and deal with his temple. We all 
have this responsibility to honor God with your body. And so in this world, which is so, just, people are just fighting for, uh, you know, however I feel is who I am, and my feelings dictate who I am, and I feel this way, and you, you know what, I, I feel this way, therefore you have to accept me because I'm going to express this part of who I am. And that's going to be out in the world. If you're a Christian, you have to remind yourself, it's not your body. It's God's body. Because you've been bought with a price. And this is a hard mentality to get into. Particularly, now I'm going to come back to this and then we'll move on. Particularly when we're having hard feelings. Right? Because when we're having tough feelings is when we have the tendency to do things that hurt our body. I was talking to a guy this week who has eight, eight months sobriety. And I asked him the question. I said, do you ever ask the question what you were drinking at? He goes, yeah, we asked, we asked some similar questions. Because when we, start to, when we start to abuse our bodies, there's usually something we're going after. We're going after an angst. We're going after a frustration. We're mad at our spouse. We're frustrated about our kids. We feel like failure. So I'm going to take these pills. I'm, gonna, I'm going to drink at this. I'm going to, you know, porn at this. I'm going to do something so I don't have to deal with these feelings. And we all of a sudden step into a space that says, no, this is... This is my body. I can do whatever the heck I want to do with it. And we didn't even do this consciously. This is subconscious. It's just saying, I don't like how I feel right now. So part of that process, what the Bible calls sanctification, or theologians call sanctification, is putting these pieces together where it says, you know what, my body's the Lord's. And right now, I don't like how I'm feeling. But I'm going to be with these feelings because I know if I just stay here and don't do anything, they're going to go away. They're going to pass. And if I want to imbibe and enjoy some things, I don't have to do it by self medicating. Is this making sense to anybody? I can do it by just being with God and being with my feelings. They pass and I move on. When you do that, you know what you've discovered? Freedom. Freedom. Because the Bible says the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodly passions and desires. And there are, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end they, that leads to death. And so when we get into these patterns of medicating, 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 they take us down farther and darker and darker roads. And then we have to go to recovery meetings. Then we have to go to rehab. Then we have to do these things because we have gone down these roads so far that we've, we've made these neural passageways in our brain and we are stuck. 
So the first step in forgiveness is in freedom is forgiveness. Because that takes the biggest burden off. That's the promise. And if you've been living in one of these path, paths where you just feel so stuck, you come back to forgiveness. You come back there, you receive that forgiveness, and you say, you know what, I'm going to try this time not to just move into my, my little self-medicating space. I'm going to try to understand the freedom that God gives, and I'm just going to sit with my grief, with my pain, with my fear, with my hurt, with my anxiety, just for a bit, and I'm going to see if it passes. And I'm not just going to sit by myself. I'm going to invite God, the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's sit with this together. You're not alone. And you let me know when you sit with God in your pain and you sit with God in your confusion, you sit with God in your anxiety, and you bring him into that space, you let me know if the Spirit of God doesn't start doing something. And you let me know if you don't start to understand the Apostle Paul that says, I have learned contentment. Learned it. I want you to remember this. We love, uh, most of us like beautiful flowers. We have to take the rose with the thorn, don't we? That's a part of life. And if, you've, if you're raising kids, one of the fun little things you can do with them is you can have a little rose and thorn time. You can do it for a week, you can do it for a month, you can do it for a year, you can do it for a day. You can say, what was the rose today for you? And what was the thorn today for you? What's the thing that you really love today? And what's the thing you didn't love today? I remember I was doing that with a family and one of my daughters was like, I don't want to do the thorn. I'm like, yeah, of course you don't because you're human, you know? You like to do the roses, but you don't like to do the thorn. But the thorns are just as much a part of our day as the roses. Or I like to put it up as uh, seedless watermelons. How many of you guys like seedless watermelons? Do you, I, I find it offensive because they, they can't reproduce. You know, that God made plants so they produce seeds. So technically, if you bought that watermelon, you could save those seeds and you could plant them. So if I gave one person a seedless watermelon and one person a, a, a regular watermelon with seeds, and I said, next year, I want you to bring me back 10 watermelons, the seedless guy would have to go out and buy them. The other person could save a few seeds, plant a garden, and give me 10. Life is like that. You, you, it doesn't come seedless. And if it does, you can't reproduce. And so just remember, as you're dealing with your feelings, as you're dealing with internal freedom, it, it's, it's about the, the rose and the thorn. It's about the watermelon and the seeds. It's, it's a part of life, and we learn to move through it in healthy ways. And you don't get it overnight. You usually get it by messing up, hitting a wall, and going... Ugh, I got to try a different way. And you learn over time contentment. So don't condemn yourself if you find yourself, you know, down one of these paths. You now have a new opportunity to learn and to grow because God gives us personal freedom, starting with forgiveness and ending with forgiveness. Now there's freedom from, or, or, and then freedom for. 
So Freedom 4, I love this. It's uh, Jesus started his ministry, he quotes Isaiah 61. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let's just read this together. This is so good. Let's read it. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to set the oppressed free and you and I not just not just interested in personal freedom because that would be so selfish he has given us people that that are around us that we can bring freedom to this is what the Bible talks about in Ephesians when it says good works he's prepared in advance for you to do. For some of you, it's just inviting someone to church. For some of you, it's inviting people to a life group. We don't have a lot of life groups this summer, but we'll get more going in the fall. It, 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 it can be as simple as that. But for others, it can be very practical. You know, for one guy here, it's repairing a piece on the church that is leaking and broken. It's, it, that, that's a little bit of setting the captives free. For some, it's maybe getting involved in, in feeding homeless people. I met with the, the mayor of North Olmsted, and she said, hey, we're partnering with this nonprofit to help uh, victims of sex trafficking. And she says, do you know North Olmsted and Westlake have people I, maybe, mostly women, maybe guys too. I don't, I'm not sure. I haven't investigated enough. That are trafficked here in our city? She says, we have nine hotels. We are on a major pathway. And she says, and we're trying to do something about it. Could your church help too? Like, oh, okay. I, I don't know what. But I thought North Homestead and Westlake were, were that, like, that doesn't exist here. But it does. It's on the heart of our mayor to do something about it. She talked about during the All-Star Games, and she said, we did a sting partnering with this nonprofit, and she said, we, we had nine people that were in, I don't know if it was both Westlake and North Olmsted Hotels, and None of them said they were being trafficked. And she said to me, I think their pimp was too close. They were too afraid. Because I remember I met a woman years ago whose daughter was held in California, young daughter, and they trafficked her throughout America. And if she ever wanted to see her daughter again, she had to perform. See, you don't know the kind of stuff that goes on. Church, if God opens up opportunities and ways to set the captives free, are you willing to help? Are you willing to say, yes, we'll do something? That's freedom for. That's what we're called to do. I was surprised when I met with the mayor, and she talked about this. I didn't think little old North Olmstead was going to have these issues. Did you? Anybody? No. The other thing you need to remind yourself this is the gospel brings freedom. 
So some of you might encounter someone, they talk about, hey, well, the Bible allows for slavery, or the, look how the, they, they treated women. And here's what you need to know. When the gospel was preached, and the apostle Paul uh, preached the gospel, when Jesus brought the kingdom, they didn't upset the social norms at that time. But they preached a gospel that starts with this idea that we are created in the image of God. So each individual and each person has tremendous value in and of themselves. That humanity has fallen, has turned away from God. Jesus came and redeemed them. He bought us back with the very cost of his body on the cross. And that, and that when we come to Jesus, he he, he gives us forgiveness, and in that forgiveness and in that salvation, it says there's no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, that there is a, there is a flatness before the cross. And it was, it's out of that gospel place that slaves have been freed over the years. It's out of that gospel place that women are no longer seen as property but are seen equal before God. And so the seed of the gospel over time brought freedom. And you remind yourself that and you continue to bring that. That's the beauty of the gospel is it works its way out and it brings freedom. Sometimes it takes time. And then I want to talk just quickly about freedom priorities. This is the 4th of July weekend, and, and um, I talk to some people, and, and I like to talk about king and country, okay? Because we have a king. Who's our king? This group thinks it's Jesus. This group is confused. So I'm going to try it again. Who's our king? Jesus. Okay. They're still stronger, by the way. You guys are really weak. You're like, I'm sorry, I needed another cup of coffee. Let's see if this side wakes up. Who's our king? That was much better. So, so here's the thing. So king and country. There are times we as Americans get these confused, don't we? We sometimes put country and then king, don't we? Come on. You don't? Okay. You say you don't, let me challenge you. Can I challenge you? I'm not going to ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat. I'm just going to ask you, over the last few years, what's happened to your heart? Whatever you are, who's ever the other side, how have you felt about them? However you felt about various movements and rioting, have you internally justified, oh, if I had a chance, I would just take those guys out. They're just a bunch of this. Oh, I can't believe that. That guy should be. So when those things happen to us, who shifted? Where is country and where is king? Hmm. Someone reminded me of that passage where it says, you know, when you call someone fool, you fool, Rekka, you should be, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Hmm, interesting passage. Um, 
Where is king and country when we are justifying all this nastiness in our soul against our fellow countrymen because we have different political views? I have no idea what silence means, but I know you guys because I'm human too, okay? Okay? And, and king and country. So king says, Jesus, on the cross, being beaten, remember that? Beaten, crucified, okay? Looked at those that were killing him and said what? Okay, the murmur was better over here than over here, but I didn't hear it. What did he say? Okay, okay. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do, right? So think about it this way. You and I have little internal heart meters that can tell us when king and country get mixed, mixed up, okay? King, what is the king? When you and I are tapped into God the Holy Spirit, we are actually teaching the fruit of the Spirit to our preschool, summer school, uh, preschool and summer school program to the kids, and we're teaching about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay, we're teaching them that. And, and those wonderful qualities are things that happen in our lives when we are plugged into God the Holy Spirit. And please hear this with me. When we unplug from God the Holy Spirit and plug into anything else, those things don't flow. And in our world... In our world, many times we unplug and we elevate country over king. It's imp I'm not anti-America. I'm just pro-Jesus. And that, that you and I have a responsibility to live the Christian life all the time. And you need to remind yourselves that the gospel was born in a, in, in a, in a form of government under the, the, the Roman oppression of the Jewish people. And they, I mean, the, Rome didn't even consider kids, kids in, until they were two years old because they died so much. I mean, it could be brutal in how they treat people. We, we have the death penalty in our country and some of the states and maybe not all the states, but, but they just put people on poles and beat them and watched them die. When you talk about justice and mercy and the poor and the, the oppressed, you know, when the missionaries got to India, and I don't know if you knew this, but Thomas... Thomas got to India and preached the gospel. They had a whole system of people that were dirt poor. And they could live with that system because in their system, that they deserved that because something they did in a previous life was so bad that they ended up dirt poor. Some of these people not even having clothes to wear. And they could walk past them because they are like, well, if they can handle that life well, they might amass enough good karma that they might come back a little bit better next time because they deserve it. And they developed a system, a theology, that enabled you to just look the other way. 
Well, let me wrap up here because I've been going long today. How do we deal with king and country? We just follow God. Jesus says we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. And when we place country over king, we lose our light. We lose our perspective. We have to keep king before country. And we have to realize we live in the world, but not of it. And Jesus said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We learn, to, we learn over time to live in the world, but we're not of it. And I was going to give you a quote from the city of God, but I'm going to just move on. And then Peter, Peter just unpacked it for him. And he said, look, when it comes to government authorities, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether it's the emperor as the supreme authority or the governors who, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up evil. Live as God's slaves. Again, we are God's. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. He's saying this is how you live as a Christ follower in the nation. So I love that we live in a free country. I love that we get to celebrate the freedom. But, but friends, realize that biblical freedom, it starts internally with forgiveness. And, and you learn how to process your stuff. And, and you get this wonderful freedom from all sorts of stuff when we don't run from it. And then we get to help others get free. And that gives your life and my life greater purpose and meaning because we're not just created to live in our own little worlds. We're created for others. And they, we stay the healthiest as a church and as an individual when we can keep king and country in perspective. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And uh, if you don't believe me, just read your New Testament again. You'll, you'll get it, okay? Because I, I love this, because um, believe it or not, every nation on, on, oops, back, every nation, every nation on earth will pass away, but one kingdom won't. And Hebrews 12, 28 says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and pray.